I think, Chad, you have an amazing way of expressing your prayers, and I just love what you said today. Nothing escapes your will, and that just goes along so well with my song. Last Sunday, you, um, you said something in your prayer that struck a chord with me as well. You said, teach us that all we have been given is sufficient. And I just love that. All we have already been given is sufficient. And the song I'm going to share with you, it talks about things not turning out the way we want, but knowing that God sees us, he hears us, his plans are for us, and all that we have been given is sufficient.
Thank you, Charlene. Um, I know that speaks to, it speaks to me, and I know it speaks to, to many in the situation uh, they're in. Uh, so I'm going to work at keeping myself composed, and uh, uh, we'll, uh, let's enter into prayer and, uh, and then the message. Father, you are good to us. And we do say, may your will be done. For what you have given is good and sufficient. Teach us. Um, I, I am... Reminded of Jesus in the garden who begged for the cup of the crucifixion to pass away from him, but he didn't, didn't want to do it. And then nonetheless, may your will be done. And oh, the difference it's made in this world, in my life. Be with these words. May they be yours to me and to all of us. In your name, amen. This will be a tricky sermon for me uh, because uh, I have no idea where it's going to go. In a way, I do. I guess I have some idea. But uh, this week, uh, early on, an image was given to me. And uh, we can go ahead and put that up. And I asked Linda, uh, what's, uh, in my visit 10 years ago, uh, when I came out to North Carolina, I saw this plant, and I said, what is that? It looks horrible. And uh, the person at that time couldn't remember it, and uh, Linda helped me out. It's called kudzu. <laughs> and... Um, you see the, it's invasive, it's horrible, and it completely um, envelops and chokes out and kills uh, everything in its path. And that, that image just kept coming to me and coming to me this week of, uh, and so I knew, it, I knew that that was the image that it was going, that, that was going to set uh, set the theme for whatever God was going to teach me to help share with you. And we're in still the season of Epiphany. And if you remember Epiphany, that's the whole thing of in, you know, uh, discovery or, or taking hold of or grasping 
who Jesus is and, and what Jesus is about. And uh, I come away with, I until the day I die, uh, and who knows with me, it might even be through half of eternity, which eternity is measureless, right? I'm going to be a student of trying to get it right because uh, I don't know about you, uh, but I've got a lot to learn. And so last week when I talked about the kingdom of God, I just, I, I, I came away with this sense of uh, the spirit saying, Chad, you gotta, you've got to talk more about what the kingdom is. And, I, and I'm kind of like, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm not quite, I mean, who am I? And so here is my best attempt to talk about the kingdom of God. And don't worry, I'll get to the scripture. We're, we're not going to be here for an hour or anything like that, so don't worry about that. But What is the kingdom of God? Well, I always change it from what to who, because it is, and I think the best way for you and I to think about the kingdom of God is, who is the kingdom of God? It is Jesus, because Jesus is God in the flesh, God amongst us, God with us, God for us, and I often think about the kingdom of God is um, when the president of the United States boards any airplane, what is it called? Air Force One. There's not just one Air Force One. Air Force One is wherever the president is at in a plane, and it becomes Air Force One. And so the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is at. Okay. And it's so interesting, it's such a blessing that you sang Thy Will Be Done because the next thing that I want to talk about is the kingdom is what God wills. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom is a... Is a is a, it's kind of like a, you can call it a, a realm, but it's a, uh, it's more than that. There's a highly relational component that is going on as well. And, and the kingdom is where the will of God is being expressed and, uh, I want to say, with coming with power and strength and grace and love. That is the kingdom of God, and it can show up in the craziest places. And so for us, Christians, this kingdom of God concept, this reality, it's not just a concept, it's a reality. It means that we are either in the kingdom of God, or we are not. Do you know what happens when um, the best examples? I, I used to the, the the president 
uh, one just a bit ago. And, and then here's another one. When someone from a different country becomes a citizen of the United States, uh, the United States is one of the unique countries. Uh, if, let's say, you were going to France and you wanted to become a citizen of France, you can maintain uh, many times your home nationality or whatnot and be, have what's called dual citizenship. But if you were coming into the United States and becoming a citizen of the United States, do you know what you must do? You must renounce all allegiances to other nation states in order to become an American citizen, okay? And I have down in my notes, God wants more than that. He wants everything, everything. And that's what I was talking about last week as far as getting in the boat Um, going out to deep waters, uh, leaving the big catch behind. God is, Jesus wants it all. And that is terrifying. I don't know about you. It's terrifying. And yet Peter and, uh, and the rest of the disciples and others have left everything. Do we accept God's rule in our life? Do we accept God's will in our life? Do we accept the kingdom? Have we given everything, renounced all, in order to be a part of the kingdom of God? And uh, the picture that is coming up right now is, is one of the Quaker standards. What's the most, uh, the folks in here can't see it, What is the Quaker picture? Presence in the midst. And my question uh, for everyone out there and everyone in here, what is that thing about? Do you believe that? If that's true, Christ is present right here. The kingdom of God is here. Because the king is here. Jesus is present. We must be seeing, listening, and doing what the king is teaching and commanding. That's that's what this whole gig is about. Being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And the longer... um, you hear me, uh, the more you will hear this kingdom talk because it's what it's about. The next part that God led me into was that there is a battle for the kingdom. God's love letter to us, the Bible, says that the world is not okay. And I want you to think about creation. God, um, God created the world and all that is in it. And what did he say? Oh, this is good. The king, God was there. The kingdom is good. But then sin entered the world and it 
It's not good. And so the, now there's this, this, uh, this conflict because there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of what, what Paul says is this world, which is ruled by sin and death. And then there's the kingdom of God, which is ruled by love and life. And they're not equal. Do not think of them as equal. One will trounce one has already trounced the other. It's just, it's a mop-up operation at this point. The kingdom of this world is saturated in sin and under enemy control. And the world is following the will of sin and death. And Satan is its master. Okay? And through... Um, in scripture, Jesus says the kingdom is near. And that doesn't mean near spatially. Um, it's far off and it's coming. When Jesus says the kingdom of God is near, he means, I'll tap, tap, tap. I'm here. I'm here near. The kingdom of God is at hand. And through Israel and Jesus, God has been revealing his kingdom. Because God's been working on the scene ever since Genesis 1, 3, 12, Exodus, you know, Leviticus. This is a Bible quiz here now. He woos. If you remember back in August, I talk about uh, God is a wooer. He's not a coercer. He still allows us our will and a choice. Do we want to be a part of the kingdom or do we reject the kingdom? And the next image is, is uh, I, I won't quiz you on this one. It's the peaceable kingdom, if you rem remember that. And uh, for those in, in the room, uh, it, it's, a, it's a friend's picture, and I think it's by Hicks as well. Um, and... In the foreground, you have the lion laying with the lamb and the kids with the serpent and fox. And I mean, the, ba the bad animals with the good animals, right? And in the background, you know what you see in the back corner? It's Quakers uh, being friends with the Native Americans, okay? The peaceable kingdom. We, those who know... Jesus as Lord and friends are learning the peaceable kingdom. Okay? This battle of kingdoms, of, of us being citizens in the kingdom of God and yet still having... Do you, do you remember what Paul says we are to the, the kingdom of this world? What we're considered? What we ought to consider ourselves? Aliens and strangers... Foreigners is what he's trying to say. Okay? So we are citizens of the kingdom of God and we are strangers and aliens to this world and its brokenness. And yet we are trying to further and advance the kingdom of God in the world of brokenness. Because where Christ is, Christ is advancing. He is reclaiming his kingdom. 
our thoughts, our hearts, and our actions are continually being yielded and transformed. And that's, that song totally speaks to that. And I've already mentioned, I think, twice, if not three times, uh, culture, politics, and religion. I mean, the three things that are hot topics in this world today. And I'm going to tell you why I talk about those. Uh, culture, um, they aren't, these three things aren't bad in and of themselves. Uh, they are natural uh, natural things that happen because of us being human, right? Because culture basically means this is what life is like in, in this part of North Carolina versus another part of North Carolina versus what life is like in uh, New England or the Midwest or, or let's get, go Hawaii or let's go farther into Canada, Mexico, Brazil, Russia, wherever, Right? Culture is just how people have learned to live. Politics is politics uh, is humans trying to solve problems that they encounter. Uh, how do we work together? And I'll leave it at that. And religion. Religion is that thing, um, religion is not bad in and of itself, because what it is trying to do, religion is um, humans trying to express faith and spirituality. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that, kind of concrete things, okay? And that's why we have differences in, uh, well, let's go with an easy one, uh, the baptism of a child versus the dedication of a child. Those are human rituals, right? They're both religious actions. Luke 6, 1 through 11. If you have it, hear the word of the Lord. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in in their hands, and eat the kernels. And some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And on another Sabbath he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see, to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. And then Jesus said to them, I ask you, 
Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy life? He looked around at them and then looked at them all and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. The battle for the Sabbath. And if you remember this whole epiphany thing that I was talking about, Jesus is teaching to correct the prevailing assumptions and practices. Let me go back to kudzu. And if, if, if it's been in your head and you've been tracking with me, uh, there's a natural place for this kudzu thing to work. So you've got an image of, uh, let's just say a tree. And kudzu, it's a great tree. It's a, what, what do we want it to be? An apple tree. Let's make it an apple tree. Produces great, great apples, whatever your favorite flavor of apple is. But kudzu has come into town. And it is working, it's doing what kudzu does. It is creeping, crawling, rooting, choking, and killing. And the apple tree has become choked, enveloped. And so now, instead of the apple tree, I want you to think of Sabbath. Sabbath is good and it's right. Because after six days of creating, God rested. And that resting day is the Sabbath. And that rest is about relationship. God didn't go away on the seventh day. He enjoyed his creation. He was with his creation. He, he celebrated life, creation with creation. But kudzu here, kudzu in this instance is legalism. It's religious formalism. And what the Sabbath had become was the equivalent of kudzu. Because the Sabbath is not a ball and chain. The Sabbath is an invitation to be with God and to grow. And for those of you who aren't for sure what Sabbath is, this today is Sabbath. This Sunday, this is our day of worship. This is the day where we um, rest from our labors. And we don't come here because of obligation or duty or um, whatever, habit. We come here because this is where, remember the presence in the midst? This is where, this is where we come and we meet together with Jesus. And we celebrate and we learn from him and we we grow in relationship with him and with each other. And, and then we go out to share that with the world. 
And so in this instance, what, what Jesus is fighting is, the first one is the harvesting of grain. This is all based on um, the Levitical law. I don't want to get too much into it. But basically, what had happened is, there was this tradition that you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. And so when those disciples were going through the field, and they grabbed grain and did that and ate it, they were breaking not the Jewish, not the God-given law, but the Jewish law around it, the interpretation of it, the religious part of it. A human rule. And yet, who were they hanging out with? Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. They were loving God and loving to be with God. And then the other one, and this is fascinating, that on the Sabbath, healing, uh, and if you're ever interested in this stuff, we can talk about, um, the, it's called the Talmud, and it's this huge tradition of Jewish uh, law that it, Talmud is basically you've got the the law biblical law and then the Talmud is a, a fence around it so that you don't even get close to violating the law so it's a man made law that protects the God given law which uh, law upon law and you get convoluted all that but it was against the law they had decided to heal on the Sabbath. You can wait till, for us it would be Monday, for them it would be today, Sunday. You can wait till Sunday to heal somebody. And Jesus says, wait a minute. Is it, is it bad to heal when you have the opportunity? No. God is the God of today. And he wants to love today. He wants to heal today. It's not about waiting for tomorrow because of a man-made law. If work blesses others, shows others God's love, do it. So I'm going to give you Three examples in my life, and these are the three that God brought. And it's, this is kudzu come to Chad's life. Um, and it's, one is culture, polit- and one other is politics, and the other is uh, religion. So, cultural. I was 20 years old, and I was at Berkeley College, and Chad and his buddy Greg were coming back from the weight room, and we had been lifting weights on a Sunday afternoon, and, and uh, we were walking the small-town streets of Haviland, Kansas, and we, were, we got on to talking about Jesus. Uh, and for two 20-year-old men talking about Jesus out in the middle of Kansas, that's, that's a good day. And we got to the place where we said, you know what? It's about time for the evening worship at Haviland Friends. Let's go. So we walked in to the meeting house, and uh, we saw an administrator from the college. And I want to take a step back and say, 20-year-olds 
choosing to go to a Sunday evening service. How often does that happen? Mm. But the administrator says, stop. You, you can't come in here. And I said, Greg and I looked at each other and, and we said, what? He said, you're wearing shorts. And, and I said, yeah, we're wearing shorts. And God kind of, we wanted to come here and hear what the preacher had to say. And the 20-year-old guys come wanting to hear what a preacher had to say on a Sunday evening? And he said, you might make the old lady stumble. We'll sit in the back. No. Either, and I said, so you would rather have us not come at all than have us come and be in shorts in the back? And his answer was yes. And we were turned away. And how sad is that? Since when does God have a dress code? I've often thought, if Jesus came to church on a Sunday morning, he probably would get turned away. He didn't bathe as often as you and I do. He lived out in the wilderness, and his bed was a rock and a pillow. He wasn't that great of a... He, did, he came in pretty shabby. But because of some cultural rule, the kingdom of God was denied to 20-year-old guys who were simply wanting to hear, to be in community, and to hear from God. Political. There was a church that um, I went into, uh, and I attended for a little while, and it it was startling because from the pulpit I heard politics preached from one particular party. And, um, and it wasn't just at the pulpit. It was in the Sunday school classroom and it was in conversation with people afterwards. It was just political comment after political comment. Uh, of a particular party, and I'm not going to say which party, because I've actually, uh, I've actually been in another church that had the other politics and did the same thing. It's a plague. It's kudzu. And so these, uh, it, it was interesting because a, a friend of mine, her name was Marcy, and she just said, and she was coming with us, and she just said, I can't. I can't go here anymore because I am not welcome. They have made it clear that if you do not have this political affiliation, you're out. And they question whether you're a Christian. And it was, it was a heart-wrenching thing. But I've seen it coming from both sides. Kudzu politics 
kudzu religion. I don't remember how old I was on this one. Uh, there's, a, there's an evangelist named Tony Campolo. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a Baptist, and so he, he can get his preach on. Okay, And he was preaching one Sunday. Um, I watched the video of it. But I was in. It was, it was, I, it was as if he were there. And he was, he was preaching on uh, the uh, Sermon on the Mount kind of stuff that Jesus talked about. And, and he went into this thing and he talked about uh, the facts of that day, of that year or that month or something like that. How many thousands and thousands of people were starving in this particular country? Because there was a great famine. And then he said, so, and there are 50,000 people that have died this month in Ethiopia. And you people don't give a fig. Except he didn't say fig. And it was quiet. And I sat there, I don't know if you ever, you just feel the, Inst- I, it, it was on VHS, but I felt the tension right there. And you know what his next words were? Well, it tears me up even today. And the problem is that you people cared more that I said, said you don't give a fig than the fact that there are 50,000 people starving this month. What really tears at the heart of God. And my mind, my heart just broke because I was the kudzu, right? I'm the one that sat there and said, Tony, that language is not acceptable in church. And yet I was deaf. I was stone cold dead to the fact There were 50,000 people starving, and my heart did not break. Kudzu of religion. I don't know where to go with this, because there's not really uh, an easy takeaway. Because kudzu is in your life, it's in my life, It's in this congregation's life. I'm not trying to pick on this congregation because it's in a denomination. It's in in the church. It's in our world. It's never-ending. And if we ever come to a place where we think we've settled, then we've probably uh, been wrapped up in kudzu, choked out, and we're dead. But the Lord is good. Uh, I, I can't remember if the picture I had with the kudzu had little clippers. Jesus, or loppers. Jesus has a way with that Holy Spirit of cutting away. Of bringing life back. So here are my two takeaways before we go into open worship. And I'm going to reverse order, and Rick, it doesn't matter which, which you do, but um, I'm going to say this. I'm going to go back to the presence in the midst. 
If Jesus is present, and Christ is here, it's a rhetorical question. We must start to look and listen for him in life. Christ is present with us. He is with you. One of the sayings that is so true, Christ is as close to you as you want him to be. It doesn't always mean that it's peachy king. But Christ is with you. And one of the ways that I've developed um, just trying to be more aware of that is a couple of different things. Um, uh, one, you can set an alarm on your phone or your watch or there's fancy stuff out there to where in whatever increment you want, maybe it's every hour, maybe the last uh, two minutes of every hour, you just have a vibrate alarm on your phone and that thing is a reminder. Oh, I need to practice, I need to be aware of Christ is here. Right now, Lord, help me to see you. Help me to hear you. Help me to be um, a part of advancing your kingdom in this moment, in this hour. Okay, it's, a, it's kind of a disciplined thing. And then the other thing that uh, is, is a long tradition in the Christian church is at the end of your day, go back through and reflect. Where, where was Jesus working today? Because I guarantee you, if he's with you, he, Jesus is not a silent partner. The second takeaway on how to live, and it's, it's just the prayer that I want us to have for open worship. And, um, and it's a prayer that we can use anytime. Uh, it's kind of like one of those... Uh, I don't know if you ever learned to memorize our Father, the uh, Lord's Prayer uh, or the 23rd Psalm. Some people have those memorized. But just to memorize prayers so that you can come back and reflect on them. But here's how we enter into open worship with this prayer. Jesus, help me surrender everything to you. Teach me what it means to be aware of you and your kingdom. Show me your presence. And by your Holy Spirit, transform my heart, thoughts, and actions. Amen. The word amen means truly, and it also means so be it. Truly, truly, so be it, Lord. Amen. Let's go into open worship with that prayer uh, before us.
think one of the nice things about the virtual, uh, if you need more time, you can stay, put me on pause if that's possible, I don't know. Join me in this closing. Father, I am so joyful that you have that you have sent your son, that he is present with us, that your Holy Spirit indwells us and counsels us and guides us and, and reveals to us what Jesus is doing, what Jesus wants. And Jesus, we know that you are, you are a tireless worker at removing the kudzu in our lives. Help us to join into that. Help us to uh, enter into your ministry. We ask these things for your glory. Amen.